Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's funny being a Lutheran sometimes because we tend to see things a little bit differently whenever we read Scripture. Uh, And by differently, I don't mean bad, you know. We tend to see things uh, in a way that kind of fits within our certain frame of reference, but it's because we do our best to really see what Scripture's trying to say all throughout the Bible. So some people might think, and even some Lutherans kind of roll their eyes a little bit, I think, uh, they'll, they'll say, well, you can't just look at water in the baptism. Whenever you find water, sorry, you can't look at, at the Bible and see water and think baptism every single time. You see what I'm saying? Some people would say, well, sometimes water is just water. You know, Water is just water in the Bible. Like, well, I don't know. It seems like God has done something miraculous with water and his word to the point where we should pay attention whenever we see the connection of the two or even just water in general and think, well, maybe it could have something to do with baptism, right? So when you look at the Old Testament lesson for today from 2 Kings chapter 5, you see something that it seems like a hard thing to deny that it's kind of mentioning baptism here. Of course, it's not the fullness of baptism. It's not the full uh, revelation that Christ has shown to us in uh, baptismal formula in Matthew 28, you know. Excuse me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You don't get that clarity here, that's for sure. But what you do get is a pagan Gentile who is suffering from the consequence of sin, leprosy in his case, right? Everybody has different cases of how they suffer from the consequence of sin, not specific sin, but general sin that plagues us all, right? But he is, but Naaman is a leper, but he's a great man otherwise, and He's plagued by this disease. And it is interesting how it plays out that by the word of a child, he goes to a foreign land to seek out a way that he might be healed. And when he goes, it's very interesting. The king is scared, but Elisha is not. The man of God is not. And he tells him, go ahead and come. But then it's interesting because (laughs) it's almost as if, you know, God would want us to pay attention to this point right here, that when Naaman comes to see the prophet at his house, what does Elisha do? Does he go out and do as Jesus does and touches him? And says, be clean? No, because he's not the Lord, first of all. But second of all, he, come, he doesn't even come out at all. He sends out a messenger so that 
Naaman might know, and those around him might also see, that it is not the power of the prophet, but it is the power of the word of God that does the work, right? That the messenger comes out and he says, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and you will be healed, right? And oftentimes we can be met with the same response to baptism that Naaman had to this, uh, to this prescription right, of washing. That when we tell people, when you are baptized, you are washed clean of your sin. You are made a child of God. The Holy Spirit now dwells within you. That you are united with Christ in that baptism, not because of the doing itself, but because of the promise that is attached to it. Because of the word of God that is attached to that water to point you to the promise that is now yours in Christ, that you are baptized into his death and into his resurrection. That when we tell people that, they can say, really? That's it? A little sprinkling of water or a little splashing or a little dunking, whichever way you want to do it? A little bit of application of water and some saying of a word? That's what does it? <clears throat> but that's not the point. The point is, is that holy baptism ties you to something. It ties you to the promise of Christ, just like Naaman was tied to the promise of God's word that said, wash and you will be clean. Trust in this and you will be clean. So that when he did, he was that by his faith in the word of God spoken by the prophet, he went and did, and he washed and was clean. In the same way, from our gospel text, we see faith playing out in the word of God. Right? That if you know the book of Matthew, at least the outline fairly well, this story of the leper and the Centurion comes right after the Sermon on the Mount. That either they were there to hear it or they heard someone speaking of what Christ had said and they came in faith and asked him to help. Right? That the, that the leper came and said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. That the word attached with the touch of Christ made him clean. But even more miraculous than that, we see that the centurion comes and he says, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. Say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man that is under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Right? That the word of God is powerful. That when one who has authority speaks, things get done. 
And who has more authority than God himself, right? All this is to say that Scripture is full of these instances of the Word of God doing exactly what it promises. That in holy baptism, which is a strong tie here in our text, right? That to be a child of God, you must be washed clean. To be a child of God, you must believe that Christ has died for you and washed you clean with his blood shed for you on the cross. And that is shown in his work of holy baptism, in the literal washing, not just as dirt from the forehead, but as a promise of a clean conscience in the sight of God, as Peter says in his first epistle. That holy baptism, the water and the word of Christ, makes you a child of God, and now you are able to live as such. That you are no longer the thing you were before, right? That you are no longer a child of wrath. You are, not, you are no longer counted as one of the sons of disobedience, but you are now a beloved child of God because of the work of Christ, that it begins with trusting in the word of promise. It begins with trusting what Christ says, that he will make you clean. He desires this for you. That he says to those who trust in him, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. Let it be done for you as you have trusted in me to clean you of your sins, to wash away all the filth that would weigh you down. So that now, not only are you clean, not only are you forgiven of your sins in holy baptism, but now Christ dwells with you. He dwells in you. And he works through you now. This promise is not just a one and done <clears throat> type thing. This promise is everlasting. And it promises you the same thing day in and day out, a clean conscience, a fresh start, so that every day when you rise and you cross yourself and you say, and, and, and you say um, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, you remember that baptism, that precious cross that was placed upon your heart and upon your forehead, marking you as one that is redeemed by Christ who was crucified for you. You remember these things. You live in that baptism. You live in this new life that God has granted you graciously, not because of what you've done, not because of whatever good you might have done in your life up to this point, but because of the good that is done for you by Christ on his cross in his perfect life lived for you. So that that perfect Christ, that new man dwells in you, that you are made new and you live a new life. So that when you read something like Romans chapter 12, where once you might be fully convicted by saying, this is law. 
this is hard. It's not easy to live in harmony with one another, especially if you think other people are not nice, if you think other people are jerks. It's not easy. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Have you seen the lowly recently? Would you want to associate with them? Never be conceited. That speaks for itself. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. And do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. That if we were not baptized children of God, if we did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us by his word of promise, we would read this and we would say, impossible. That's impossible, pastor. How am I supposed to live up to this? And rightfully so, we do say these things. That we cannot live perfectly. We cannot by our own strength come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and trust in him. But by the washing of the word, by the promise of God through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit now dwells within you so that you can read these words and say, Amen. I'll try. <laughs> I'll try. And when I fail, when I fail, I'm not going to use that as an excuse to say, well, it can't be done, right? I'm not, when I fail, I'm not going to use that as an excuse to say, I'm just not going to try anymore. I'm not going to seek to do better. I'm going to look at this and I'm going to say, Lord, have mercy upon me. Help me to do better. Help me to live in harmony with one another. Help me not to be haughty, but to associate with the lowly, for Christ is associated with me. I am lowly. I'm no good. I'm not deserving of grace, yet he gives it abundantly, fully, to the point where we are washed clean of our sin. And Jesus did not repay evil for evil, but did what is honorable in the sight of all by suffering on the cross and dying for the likes of you, for the likes of me, for those who don't deserve it, for those who are far off. This promise is for them as well. So that when you look at these things as a baptized child of God, you look at them and you say, Christ has done this. Christ has accomplished all these things for me so that I might go and try, so that I might go and try and live honorably, live peaceably, so that I would not be overcome by the horrible things throughout this world. So that when I look out into the world and I see the horrible things going on with abortion, homosexuality, transgenderism, mass confusion about how to live life, mass confusion about the order that God has placed with men and women, mass madness. When I look out into the world, I can say, Lord, have mercy. Christ has done these things 
so that I would look upon the evil that the world would mean to do to me, but see it for my good, to see it as a chastening, to see it as a discipline, to say, I need to go back. I need to go back to the Word. I need to go back to the waters of holy baptism. I need to go back to where that word and that water was placed upon me, where I was sealed in the love of God. I need to go back. Run to the font whenever you can. If you're not near the actual font, cross yourself and say, Lord, have mercy in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Be with me, Lord, and protect me. Guide me to do those things you would have me do. Not because that's what merits my salvation, but because that's what Christ has done for me. So that I would be able to not be overcome by evil, but overcome that evil with the good that Christ has done. Because we can't do it alone. And we don't do it alone. Christ dwells with all of those who trust him and trust his word, who have been washed clean of their sins. He dwells with you and he works through you. Because you have also been crucified with Christ. As Paul says in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live not by my own works, not by my own strength, but I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.